Hello, everyone, and welcome to the More Deadly Podcast, where we review horror movies exclusively directed by women, which prove that the female of the species is more deadly than the male. I'm your co-host, Rachel, and joining me is one of the loveliest ladies in all of the Pacific Northwest, the one and only Ariel. Hi. Hey, girl. How's it going? It's going okay. Any uh, horny upstairs neighbors updates for us this week? Well... <laughs> oh, no, I was kidding. <laughs> what happened? Oh, I mean, nothing like exciting. They've just, you know, continued to have sex. But I had this epiphany the other night that, like, okay. what if I'm the monster and not them? Are you having an I am legend moment? <laughs> <laughs> well, so I couldn't sleep the other night, which is like pretty normal for me. And I started watching old episodes of What We Do in the Shadows. Mm-hmm. And I got to the episode of the vampire orgy and I just could not stop laughing. I mean, I was just like belly <laughs> laughing as loud as I could, like tears streaming down my face. That episode is so funny. Yeah. And then I was like, I want something sweet. I don't have anything sweet in the house. I know I'm going to bake. And I ended up like opening my cupboard and just like pots and pans came falling out everywhere. And I shouted because <laughs> one fell on my foot. <laughs> and then I was <laughs> at the end of all of this, I was like, oh, fuck. Like, what if... I'm doing the same thing to them at like four o'clock in the morning that they're doing to me at like 6 a.m. Was this a four o'clock in the morning baking sesh? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, sounds like maybe I doubt that you're the monster, but like maybe they're getting a little bit of karmic retribution. Yeah, it could be because I do stay up a lot at weird hours when I can't sleep. And I'm also one of the clumsiest people you'll ever meet. So it's possible that I, I wonder what their theory is of what's happening downstairs. <laughs> you know, like like I'm yeah. like all in on the weird shunting slash sex swing action for upstairs. <laughs> like, what do they think you guys are doing downstairs? Like, you're in some weird like pots and pans based sex cult of some variety. Oh God! <laughs> like, there's some like S and M pots and pans happening. Yeah, yeah. I would love to know what they think. Right? <laughs> Maybe I wouldn't actually. Maybe I don't want to know. <laughs> yeah maybe not <laughs> maybe you feature loom large in their their sex life and you just don't even want to know oh that. god <laughs> see every time we talk you put these like terrible images in my head <laughs> oh 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 bother sorry <laughs> <laughs> anyway well i'm glad to hear that you know things are balancing out the karmic justice is being balanced out <laughs> right uh, where you are so before we go any further, in case people are listening for the first time, will you do our audience a solid and give them our spoiler policy? Yeah, so we're going to spoil everything. And that means twists and turns and surprise endings. Nothing is sacred. We are going to spoil it all. Yes, yes, you have been warned. <laughs> and I feel like this is one where you probably do want to watch it before. You know, like some movies can't be spoiled. Like they are exactly what they seem like. Yeah. This one. I feel like uh, spoiler warning is fair. Yeah, I would definitely like jump off of here, go watch the movie and come back. Yeah. All right. So speaking of the movie, we haven't even said what we're reviewing this. Oh, week. yeah. <laughs> That's probably <laughs> be helpful. So Ariel, what movie are you reviewing? This was a you pick. Why did you pick it? This was actually a you pick. Just kidding. My notes are incorrect. <laughs> this was a me pick. <laughs> so, Rachel, why did you pick this? <laughs> All right. So, I picked a movie called Sea Fever, directed by Nisa Hardiman. And I picked it because it was 
like a creature feature directed by a lady. And that sounded like my kind of jam. Yeah. Um, that's really all I knew. I thought I the reviews were decent and it just, it looked cool. So I figured this will be a fun for one for us to talk about. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you a little bit about this movie. And Nisa herself. All right. So Nisa is an Irish director. She found her way to filmmaking through initially a visual arts education. Mm. She was like first in her class and like won all these awards. Um, And she went on to earn a scholarship to study to study art film in Berlin. She's actually fluent in German. And that is what actually ignited her passion for filmmaking. She moved from regular visual art into filmmaking from there. And since then, she has gone on to make a career for herself, primarily in TV. She has a very impressive resume that includes productions in Ireland, England, and the U.S. She's directed, oh, wow. yeah, she's directed episodes of Happy Valley, which I know I is a favorite of yours. Yes, mm-hmm. and she won a BAFTA for that. She's wow. also directed uh, episodes of Jessica Jones, which is one of my favorites, yeah. as well as Z: The Beginning of Everything on Amazon, which I never watched, but looked really pretty from mm-hmm. the things I had seen. But Sea Fever is actually her first feature film, which she also wrote. Oh, that's impressive. Yes, especially, I mean, I think this movie looks pretty great. The film itself was actually financed through initially a production loan from the Irish Film Board, but she ended up needing additional funding. So she got some from Sweden, Scotland, Belgium, and the U.S. But part of the conditions of that was that she needed to hire a head of department from each of those countries. So she ended up having this like very international crew. That's kind of cool. Yeah, isn't that cool? I actually was like, all right. I, I think that that's interesting that they require that. Okay, so while this film is about an invisible affection working its way through a population of this case, six people, it feels very timely, but it actually is not written in response to like the COVID stuff, obviously, because right. that's new. It just feels very timely, but was written about climate change. Oh, yeah. oh, you know what? That makes so much sense because of some of the things that the main character says about extinction. Right. I mean, and also like the the setting of commercial fishing. Mm-hmm. The reason that they're ha- overfishing is a problem. So they're having to go into deeper, deeper water. And that's how you're ending up in these areas that are maybe not where you shouldn't be fishing a part of it. But also she wanted to specifically talk about personal responsibility both to yourself, but and for the but also for the good of larger groups and mm-hmm. the world itself, and that's why she centered the film around a character that was fully committed to science and figuring out the truth because you know the truth matters, and that was sort of the thesis of this movie. She grew up on the western coast of Ireland, and her grandfather was actually a fisherman, which is why she decided to set the film that was about science on a fishing boat because she knew a little bit about that culture, but specifically about the superstition and magical thinking that tends to happen in those crews. Like we got a little bit of that with like Siobhan being um, a bad omen because she had red hair. Even the scene where, what is that thing called? It's on the front of a ship. It's like a lady. Figurehead. Is that really what it's called? Oh, wow. Okay. It's called a figurehead. Okay. (laughs) That is the, or listen to this etymology that's, is etymology? That's not about bugs, right? Yeah. Etymology is about origin of words (laughs) (laughs) that is happening on this podcast. It is a podcast within a podcast. We all learned that figurehead, the origin of that comes from the front of a boat. You're welcome. Public service. Check. Yeah. I, I was saying that there's that scene where the figurehead gets like messed up and the the woman Freya um, freaks out about it. You know, it's yeah. like there are all these superstitious things that go on. Right. 
and tweeting interviews with Hardiman and she was saying how like she talked to a lot of fishermen and was like learning a lot of the lore uh like you're not allowed to wear green on a boat you're not allowed oh. to talk about farm animals on a boat I wonder where that one came from I don't know but they all kind of say like obviously this is superstition it's not real but we're not gonna right. risk it so she wanted to kind of juxtapose these like these worlds where we have a scientist on a boat full of superstition and she wanted to tell sort of a story that valorized science in really kind of instead of instead of the usual adventure stories that are like they tried to overstep and reach for god and and fly too close to the sun she wanted something that was based in like no we need to we need to understand our world and like the truth of that is actually the salvation so that's kind of the core of this movie and it just so happens to be extremely timely right you know with all the quarantine stuff so yeah it had, and i like, think she double impact yeah i think she got a lot of those ideas across in the movie it's almost too bad that it came out during a pandemic because right i think some of that you're like thinking about it overshadows the other points the movie's trying to make definitely so i mean hopefully this will be a movie that gets found for a long time yeah. and people will be able to have multiple interpretations of it um so the film premiered at toronto film festival got positive reviews and is now available on the VODs for those of you who want to play along. All right. So the synopsis for this movie, first of all, it's starring um, Connie Nielsen, uh, Hermione Corfield, Doug Ray Scott, Owen Fiore. I don't know how to pronounce a lot of these names, so I'm going to yes. stop there. But there's a bunch <laughs> more people on this list. I actually feel like they get easier from there. You did all the hard Oh yeah, ones. Jack, <laughs> that's pretty easy. <laughs> Damn it. So this movie is about a mar uh, marine biology student, Siobhan, who joins the crew of a dilapidated, dilapidated fishing ship to study anomalies in the fish that they catch in order to finish her PhD. Once she's on board, the introverted Siobhan has a hard time connecting with the close-knit crew because of her blunt nature and her red hair, which is considered a bad omen on a boat. Captain Gerard takes them through an exclusion zone in hopes of finding more fish because they're struggling financially. While in the middle of the ocean, the boat becomes stuck and strange blue goo starts seeping out of the walls. After diving into the water to figure out what's going on, Siobhan discovers that there are glowing tentacles attached to the ship, which seem to be part of some huge unknown creature. Soon, they see another ship they hope can help them, but when they get to it, they discover that all of the crew is dead. The captain blames it on them going crazy with sea fever, but then members of their own ship start acting weird, and Siobhan is convinced that they are infected with larvae from the sea creature. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> This is the first movie in a while where I've had to like write you while I was watching. It. <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god, something just happened." <laughs> this is the second movie in a row where something happened on screen, and I was so I was shocked. I, was, yeah. I, I feel like I've seen it all, but I was shocked. This and we watched Z on Cheddar, which uh -huh. was it was okay. I mean, it had some pretty creepy moments, but there's one moment that is totally shocking in it where I was just like jaw on the floor, and Ooh, this movie had one of those. It, yeah, this movie definitely has one of those moments. Man, oh man. So what did you think of this movie? So I ended up really liking this one. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of fun for how dreary it is. Right. I think that, one, the movie is actually pretty beautiful. This ship that they're on is so kind of dreary and falling apart. It's all like neutral colors. And then like grays and browns. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but you have the ocean waters like, this beautiful blue, and then the goo that's coming out of the ship is also actually really pretty, mm -hmm. uh, weirdly. Um, so I think there's a really nice balance there that visually gives the film a lot of depth. Like, this ship feels lived in. It feels real. Yeah. 
Would you um, be surprised to learn that it was a set? Yeah, I would. Yep, it was a set. It was they took measurements from an actual ship, but getting the equipment into the ship oh. was not possible, so they recreated it. Wow, isn't that shocking? Like, that is the shocking. Designers on this were so impressive. They really are because it it definitely felt like a real ship, and even how small and confined everything is. Yes. Felt. It was like a functioning set with like ladders that like you could move throughout the set like it was the ship, gotcha. but it was actually a set. Well, that was a really smart design. I mean, because yeah. I never would have known that. No, I was shocked when I read that today. I yeah. was like, what? I, was, I almost didn't say anything because I didn't want to kill the movie magic, but I just feel like it's such an accomplishment. I was like, I got to share this information. Yeah. I also feel like the characters have a real lived in quality too. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you don't know a ton about any of them, but they feel like real people, you yeah. know? Where a lot of times um, in kind of more action-oriented monster flicks, they're a bit of just, like, cookie-cutter kind of trope characters. Right. Um, these ones felt more real to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they have, like, really good banter, too. I mean, there's yes. that kind of alien, you know, scene where they're uh, all around like the table I mean a lot of movies have that you know where they're like all bantering and you're realizing like how well they know each other and how much they get along but it, it felt like real conversations between people who have been stuck in the same space with each other for long periods of time yeah know? I mean that's got to be an intense situation to be on a ship like that you know yeah. where you live and work together and you cannot leave ever because Otherwise, you drown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? That is really, like, you kind of either, either have to create these very intense family bonds or you're going to murderize each other. Right. Yeah, I think those probably are the only two options. Because it's not mm-hmm. like this is a giant Navy ship, you know. I mean, I know there are small small areas in those ships, but they're also, you know, the size of cities. Um, being right. on a tiny ship like this where you Ooh. can barely fit the number of people that are on it. Yeah. Ooh. That sounds kind of like my worst nightmare, honestly. Right? <laughs> I mean, it's a crash course in becoming a people person. Like, you got to learn how to get along. Right. Yeah. <laughs> if I you mean, know... she kind of tries a little bit. Right. Which is why it's such a, she's such an interesting character that they've, like, taken someone who they make a point of explaining that she doesn't really have any friends. She doesn't really connect with other people and putting her in a situation where she kind of has no choice but to mm-hmm. enmesh with these people. Yeah. And... I mean, I think that they did a good job of showing her, like, you know, trying to distance herself from everybody else, Mm -hmm. um, sitting on the outside of the boat reading and stuff, and then kind of slowly getting pulled in. Like, Connie Nielsen's character, whose name is Freya, I think? Yes. Yeah. So Freya, you know, talks to her while she's out there and tells her this kind of folk, this folktale about the phytoplankton that they see in the water. Mm -hmm. Um, And then she gets pulled in. By the guy that she kind of has a thing for and um, joins in their dinner. I think the sad thing about it, honestly, is that she's such an introvert and has such a hard time connecting. And then the second she starts to connect with these people, yeah, like everybody starts dying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> kind of heartbreaking, actually. Yeah. I mean, we'll get into it when I get into the cons, but I, I definitely agree with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So another really great thing about this movie is the the body horror stuff and the way mm. that it, it that all looks. So... <laughs> First of all, the goo, I think, was really interesting. There's a scene where the captain guy starts kind of, like, pulling away at the wood that's almost melting. And then there's this, like, tentacle mouth thing that's stuck through the wood. One, I think it looks really cool. I think the other good thing about it is that the way that that scene builds up, like, I thought 
somebody was going to get hurt there, that like it was going to, you know, grab his hand or something, but that doesn't happen like at all, Um, which I think is kind of cool because I think if you're a horror fan and you kind of know these beats that whenever they can kind of subvert that it, it works in their favor a lot of times. Definitely. And then the tentacles themselves are really cool looking too. Right. Um, and then as far as like the body horror part of it goes, when they go to the other boat, you've got the eye, the guy with like his eyes, you know, at the time I thought maybe they were gouged out because they were right. I, about, that sea fever. They're going to go yeah. crazy and that they did this to each other. Yeah. But we learn pretty quickly that that's not what happens when <laughs> the guy's eyes just explode out of his Oh, face. my God. Can I just tell you, like, there are a handful of things that really get under my skin, no pun intended, but parasites are right at the tippy, tippy, tippy top. Yeah. I cannot with parasites, which, I mean, makes for a great horror movie because it's horrifying and it's right. so effective. But, ooh. Yeah, because I feel like whenever there's parasites in a movie, it's like you can feel them under your own skin. Absolutely. You know? like, it gets into your head really easily. Mm-hmm. And those eyes bursting, I mean, that was great. I love that she can look in his eyes and she saw something moving. Yeah. You know? And then so quickly his situation just, like... Escalated. Yeah. <laughs> that escalated yeah. quickly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and then you even see kind of more of the the family sort of love between the characters. Cause after he's dead, the woman who cooks all their meals and kind of takes care of stuff down below, um, is just like has him, his head in her lap and she's just like crying over his body. And... Well, I believe that's like, that's his aunt. Oh, is that, I missed that. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Well, that makes I mean, a lot but more sense. The thing is, is everybody is distraught about it, but yeah, in particular, is. that dynamic has something to do with the fact that she's his aunt. Gotcha. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. I don't know how I missed that. So, I mean, I agree with you. Let me just start by saying I really like this movie a lot. I love a, like, ponderous, contemplative, slow burn, art house movie as much as the next Mm -hmm. weirdo. But sometimes you just want a movie that is just going to, like, grab you and drag you at a rapid pace from the beginning to the end that just has momentum. And I felt like this movie definitely had that sure it was beautiful like you said the setting the juxtaposition of the industrial ship versus this like beautiful natural world like including the monster being extremely beautiful made it a visually interesting movie but it also has kind of a thriller pace like it has a very quick pace to it you know there's definitely a lot of influence of things like the thing and the and alien in this movie that make it sort of a B movie fun ride, but it is sort of elevated by having a more, like I said, like a, a thoughtful thesis and purpose to it. And obviously, <laughs> speaking of themes, uh, a film about an invisible infection working its way through the population is pretty effective right now. I know it was conceived as an eco thriller, but at the same time, like. The timing of it made it, it like actually heightened the experience in a particular way because yeah. there's already an ingrained vulnerability that normally like parasites are always make me feel vulnerable and freaked out. But having just sort of like it take place right now definitely heightened that experience. And as someone who's like always chasing that kind of tension and fear made this movie even more effective for me. And but then probably my favorite thing about the movie was the main character of Siobhan. Mm-hmm. She actually gets like this pretty, pretty compelling arc where she goes from being the awkward outsider to almost like a mystical hero. Right. 
there were there's I, I sense there was like shades of Ripley to her to a certain extent. Like she was the person on board who was making sense. She was the person who was like ready to make sacrifices, even though they were difficult to make. She was right, you know. Yeah. All those things that I love about Ripley, I saw seeds of that in this character. I also kind of got the sense that she is maybe somewhere on the spectrum. And I feel like that is becoming a very tired trope. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of tired of those characters because I don't think they're usually that well written. And it feels like contrived to make like a, you know, a character be more analytical or more, you know, whatever the case may be. Yeah. And so often with that too, it's like you write a character the way you think people will act. And then it's like they can... It's like they're only okay and a good character that you root for or identify with because they serve some purpose. Like they have some magical knowledge that nobody else has. Right. Um, like Q. Yes. Yes. Okay. Perfect example. That is a problematic character. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I like that movie. Or but Rain like, Man. You know, at the, the time. Same, but the like idea. now looking back, you're like, ooh, that's a little weird. Yeah. But I actually felt like this was different in that, yes, she did appear to be somewhat neurotypical, but at the same time, she was having authentic connections with people. She even got a little bit of a love story. even. And what I loved about it was that even though she, like she was written to be sort of on the spectrum, she never lost her humanity. And like, you find out that she is someone who's extremely ethical and like actually really wants to connect with people, but struggles with it. And it made her very, like, it made her nuanced. It made her, I I don't know. I just was, I was very impressed by the Siobhan character. It was a little hard. I mean, like, I, I understand why it ended the way it did. And it like showed like that she, her ethics were, came from a, like a real place and that she was willing to make sacrifices in order to like, she meant everything she said. Like it wasn't like self-serving or like when it like it became self-serving, she still didn't back off her ethics, and I think that's great. But it was hard to see her go because I, I actually got pretty attached to that character. Yeah, me too. I thought she was, and I thought for sure Omid was gonna die, and I was like, I'm not ready for him to go either because he was the other character that I really yeah. appreciated in this movie. So yeah, so I, I really she was kind of the standout for me. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that her arc through the whole movie really made the movie, honestly. Yeah, and the performance by Hermione Cornville is, like, yeah. to me, the heart of this movie. You know, she's she has these ex- incredibly expressive eyes, so that, like, even when, though the performance itself is pretty restrained, there's always something, you can always see something that's happening there, and I, I find her to be extremely compelling. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think across the board, all of the performances were solid. Oh, so many of the characters didn't get much to do, which is, we'll talk about when we get into the things that maybe didn't work for the movie for me, but as far as feeling like real people and the being able to feel naturalistic in their performances, that was all there for me. And then of course the practical effects in this movie were really impressive. I know. So I, I <laughs> learned how they make those maggot things work. So those were done by a puppeteer. The ones that like fly out of his eyes. That was done by a puppeteer. Yes. What, what they do is they took seaweed and mixed it with iron filings, and then they use magnets to make the maggots move. Oh my god, that's Isn't so that cool! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess I just don't know that much about like the special effects. No, I guess I don't either. Making. That's crazy, and, and it does feel a little bit like magic, you know? Yeah. So. I mean, that is a great scene too because it's like they know that it's in the water, 
all of a sudden they realize that and like they have to shut off the water and get this guy who's taking a shower out of the shower and then he just gets so banged up from it and oh that's a great scene yes like the tension of them banging on the door and trying to get him to come out and he's like no leave me alone i want to shower it's great but the fact that they were able to do that with iron shavings and magnets is pretty crazy right and seaweed which is perfect yeah 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 speaking of sort of the the setting like the shower all of that stuff i loved the way that it was extremely confined so you had that like sense of of claustrophobia Mm -hmm. but also like nowhere to escape which is all you want to do when you're on a boat that it's just like full of some sort of contagion and that i felt like the the setting did a great job of creating a lot of tension and i think this movie overall has a lot of tension which you want in sort of a thrillery horror type of movie even though it it definitely zigs and zags and goes some places that like in the third act that maybe you're not expecting like when instead of it being like let's go kill the monster ripley with the Mm -hmm. you know flamethrower it's like no we need to save the monster i do think that them even in those moments it maintained a level of tension that also just like made the movie just go down easy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's kind of the perfect length too. Really. Yes. Like you it's... know how I feel about length. Of yeah. <laughs> Keep it tight, people. <laughs> Keep it tight. And I felt like this movie, there was like no extraneous stuff. Yeah. Cause I think it's only like 85 minutes or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and there is good tension built there, both through the surrounding I mean, and the performance. Perfect the pressure cooker. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's just so creepy. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I mean, those tentacles are so beautiful. Like when she goes into the water, I was just like, oh, it's like when you, you know, when you go to the Monterey Bay Aquarium and you just want to like sit in the jellyfish room. Yes. Like it had that effect, <laughs> but they're also right. terrifying. It's like this huge creature that's attached itself. And, and then the little like larvae, when they step on them, it like squirts blue goo. Oh so gross and so good i mean just the idea of it being in the water getting into your body being behind your eyes oh yeah i don't like (laughs) (laughs) no i don't either but it was so effective because of that and um i mean that scene where they're like checking the eyes i know that's you know definitely reminiscent of the thing um but i i enjoyed it you know but I also like that it kind of went a different yeah. way. Like you kept going, okay, as we're getting, we're getting closer, somebody's going to get the wire and, mm-hmm. the, and it's going to explode. Right. Um, but instead it's sort of like, no, nah, I don't need to check you. Right. Which you're just like, oh, damn, damn it. And that character's ending is so, I mean, that is pretty brutally sad too. Because, yeah. I mean, they talk about how much they loved this boat in the way that, you know, they don't want anything to happen to it, especially Freya. And then you find out mm-hmm. that it's named after their dead daughter. Mm-hmm. Ugh, stab me in the heart. And then he, you know, he has to be dealt with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not a, a pull your pull a punch kind of movie. No. I mean, although, to be honest, I am, when we get into cons, I kind of almost wish that yep. Just the knife a yep. little more, but we'll get into it. <laughs> I overall really like this movie. I have some small criticisms. Mm-hmm. How about you? Yeah, agreed. I really enjoyed this movie. I thought I had a lot of fun with it. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's a it's a really great one to watch on video on demand. Um, 
but I did have a couple of cons. So the first one, this one is really small and super personal, <laughs> uh-huh. but there are all these really beautiful shots, um, like aerial shots, like looking down at the boat as it's moving through the water, which made me really seasick. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. So I get motion sick, like super, super easily. Like I can't play video games cause I get, I feel like I'm going to throw off about five minutes into it. Oh, that sucks. I know it really does. Cause I used to love video games, but the way they make them these days, I can't do it. Um, and certain movies <laughs> do that to me too. And this one definitely did. It reminded me of the last time I went whale watching. Oh God. Oh man. Oh man. I never want to be that sick again. <laughs> oh was, no. It was so much fun and so beautiful, but oof. yeah, ships are hard anyway. So this made me a little bit seasick, which is annoying, but totally personal. But if you're somebody who that happens to just know that some of these yeah. things are going to do it. You're just you. doing a little PSA. Yeah, yeah, it's not exactly. a critique so much. It's just like, <laughs> just keep this in mind. So the other thing I would say is that the movie, as it gets into it, does a really good job of showing Siobhan being an introvert, right? Like we were talking about yeah. before, it shows her reading, it shows her out by herself, kind of having a hard time connecting with people, being blunt to the point that she offends people. I think that one of the cons to that is just the first few minutes of the movie, instead of like waiting a little bit to show us that she was an introvert, she basically just says, I don't like people. I can't remember exactly what her lines are, but like, Mm -hmm. she just tells you flat out, like, this is who I am as a character. And I don't think it needed that at all, because they do a good job showing you you that a little bit later. It's a minor thing. Another minor thing would be Connie Nielsen's Irish accent. It's not great. I love her. When she was on Law & Order SVU, I thought she was great. I know that was like a million years ago, but but yeah. <laughs> it surprises me. So a me. little casting news. Originally, the role scheduling conflict, uh, conflicts got in the way of it, but originally Tony Collette was supposed to play the, the play that role. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Huh. Which I think would have been pretty great. I mean, yeah. I think Connie Nielsen was just fine. Yeah. I, I have no criticisms of her performance, accent aside. But, but I mean, Tony Collette. I'm, just, yeah. <laughs> She's just I mean, so good. Hereditary. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> right, right. So the other thing is, I think that there are a couple moments when Siobhan makes decisions that are a little, like, not, well, how do I put this? Okay, so she's supposed to be this really amazing scientist. And we see that throughout the whole movie. One of the things she does early on is put some of the blue goo into like a Petri dish, Uh but she doesn't actually use that for anything until almost the end of the movie. Like she has, I figured she must not have a microscope and she was saving that for when she got off the boat, but she does. She has one right there and yet she waits and waits and waits before she actually uses it and looks at it. And I feel like somebody like her, who's like looking for patterns and looking for anomalies, like that would have been her first move would have been to go Mm. and look at that. Fair. Yeah. Also, I'm thinking maybe this is something I missed, but how did she know that the captain had a parasite without even looking at his eyes? I think because she saw the pattern of infection, like he was showing other symptoms. Gotcha. Because when you saw him, he was like sweating. Yeah, that's true. Because remember she sat and she observed all the stuff leading up to him. Like she was like, right. She saw it when nobody else did. Like, yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. I'll let that go then. That makes sense. The other thing that one of the you know, great things about this movie is the how great the tentacles look, how cool that little mouth thing on the ship looked, and how interesting it was that the texture of the bottom of the ship was, like, changing based on these tentacles being attached to it. I almost wish they had done more with that, where it was, like, 
it was basically dissolving their shit, but I never felt like they were at all worried about the structural integrity right. of their boat, which right. to me would have been a big issue, right? If it's right. eating through the walls of your ship. So I felt like that would have been a way to like ratchet up the tension even higher. There are points a little past the midway of the movie where I'm not sure exactly what could have been done, but I think there were ways that they could have made it even scarier then. Mm -hmm. And it kind of backed off a little bit. And I wish they had sort of ratcheted it up and kind of gone full force. Yeah. That was one of my criticisms as well, as I feel like the movie does such a great job of creating tension. Mm -hmm. And the setting and the scenario are so strong, like conceptually, that it they could have, and I liked what was there, but I feel like they could she could have even taken it further. You know, right. the movie never really twists that knife in the way that I wanted. Like the setup, like where we have, I mean, I feel like the when they go to the ship and they find everybody dead there, like mm -hmm. we're getting sort of like Event Horizon vibes, yeah. you know. And then we we have the first death, and it's so I mean literally explosive, but also just so rattling. <laughs> That even though there's some really great stuff that follows it, it never quite reaches that peak. And I almost wish that I, I would have liked to have it to have descended a little bit more. Also, I felt like the some of the characters were go like the 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 chef lady kind of goes there a little bit where we get a little like actual sea fever vibes. Yes. I think we could have had more tension between our characters. Yep, I have that in my notes that too. That if there had been more scenes of them devolving almost as people, mm -hmm. um, I think that that. Yeah, it would have made, it would have taken it up another step, you know? Yeah. And on the flip side, I wish that we had spent more time with each of the characters getting yeah. to know them. Like, I would have liked more of those table scenes where we found out more backs, not necessarily backstory, but like a, had a deeper understanding of each of the characters and also of the group dynamic, because I feel like more of that would have made me more invested mm -hmm. in each of the characters. As it is, the only two characters that I was truly invested in were Siobhan and Omid. And they also, because they had a bunch of scenes together where they're like working through engineering problems and you know he has a kid. You actually get a little bit of information on them. Um, and then Siobhan is obviously your Ripley proxy. So like they're the two that I cared about. And I, if, I think if we had understood more of this family, yeah. like it would have hurt more like when Sudi died. Or yeah. when Sierra like, loses it like why why mm -hmm. why is this her response i want to know her more the characters seemed on a surface level to be compelling so again i like this movie quite a bit but if i had a criticism in the characterization it would be just that i would have liked to know them more and been more invested right i mean i think the characters all felt like people it's just that mm -hmm. if you had seen if you'd given them more of an opportunity to just like hang out for a bit on that boat. Yes. Um, I needed some hang time. Yeah. <laughs> but you know me, I'm usually like, cut it, cut it, right. cut it. But I do feel like I could have used five more minutes. Agreed. Agreed. You I think know? if this movie, I I know I said the length was kind of perfect, but now that I'm thinking about it, if there had been like 15 minutes added to this, part of that in building these characters and their relationships so that, yeah, you cared about them more. Because honestly, a lot of these characters, I was just like, oh, they're dead. Okay, yeah, move on. Mm -hmm. Um. And then the other part had been about when those characters start to fall apart. Right. I mean, it's weird to me that I was not super invested in sort of like mm -hmm. the salty middle-aged sea captain. Like, yeah. I should have been so in on that Freya character. And she, I liked her, but I didn't love her. And that is the character that I always love in a movie. Yeah. No, I agree. Like the grizzled, not that she's grizzled, but... 
you know, comparatively grizzled. Yes. I should be all in on her, and I I was just sort of in on her. Yeah, it's like she's a, you know, she's fine, but you really didn't know enough about her or get even, like, a a sense of her personality enough to really, like, root for her the way that you did with the main character, Siobhan. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, and these are, like I said, this doesn't detract from my overall feeling, but I feel like this could have just been little extra little extra bit right could have made it even more impactful yeah i totally agree so overall what did you think would you recommend this movie did you like it so i did really like this movie like i said i think there are things that they could have done you know better but ultimately i had a lot of fun with this movie i think for the main character siobhan and omid alone it's worth watching i think that their relationship is fun and seeing her sort of progress through the movie is great. I think that the monster is really fun and cool and that like ultimately it was an enjoyable movie and I would I mean especially cuz you can get to it so easily for like 4 bucks on Amazon or something. Like definitely yeah. it's worth your time to watch it. It was Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I really like this. I would have no trouble recommending it to people. I'm trying to decide if it's going to make my top 10. It might. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like it, it's somewhere in the like second half of the top 10 of the year for me so far so far yeah and god knows what we're gonna get this year and what we're not probably not much this might be number one i know right (laughs) i mean but to be honest i that sounds like faint praise i actually really liked this movie a lot Mm. i was excited to talk about it with you and i was like yes we picked another good one yeah i mean this really is a fun movie and i think the ending of this movie we didn't really talk about it this that much but it is a really great ending because i mean one she feels so strongly about not right. bringing this back to other people right. and containing it and quarantining everybody, which is something we are all all too familiar with at this point. And selfish people who just want to like exactly and for short term convenience are not like willing to see the bigger picture. Yeah, and she's willing to fight for that. Like she believes so strongly in her conviction that we need to one not kill the creature. And two, prevent it from infecting anybody, that she's willing to destroy the ship to do it, basically. You know? I mean, she is the hero that we need, but do not deserve. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and then the end, when they get in those, like, lobster suits to jump out of the water and into this little ship. I mean, that's a great scene, too. And the... I don't know if I've never been on a fishing ship. It seems crazy to me that you would work on one and not know how to swim. I mean, that seems like well, a, that's death a sailor sentence. thing that's a sailor thing. that's a you sailor wanna, thing yeah you want to die fast Ooh. you don't want to you don't want to draw it out if you're gonna drown i guess she did say with. that didn't she yeah that's a sailor thing I'll oh my god that's so dark <laughs> yeah you just want to like wrap it up damn <laughs> i just oh man i i would never have guessed that just because like my mom used to be a kayaking and whitewater rafting guide and yeah. um we weren't allowed to go with her until we were like really good swimmers you get tossed out but yeah but there's also a shore nearby (laughs) you're not in the middle of the atlantic ocean which is is, true if you are over overboard i guess that there isn't someone to immediately save you yeah you're you're done done. yeah no i either be done in in five minutes or you can be done in you know 12 hours you know what i mean (laughs) right it's grim like uh i was again i was reading a lot of interviews about this Uh and 
uh, when she was writing the script, she asked about like, hey, you know, like, is it um, realistic that someone injure themselves on the boat? And like, they laughed at her yeah. because it's, it's such a dangerous yep. Uh, occupation like she's all well you know like three you know a couple days ago somebody lost three fingers another person got decapitated uh my grandfather lost his leg and he had been a fisherman for 12 years so and so lost a hand like it is super super common to be really injured on these boats so i was just like wow but what i was saying about that scene is that it's it's so great because you also have this like culmination of her character because one she jumps into the water right on top of this sea creature in order to save uh, Omid. Yeah. She risks her life to get him back on that ship. And then when she realizes that, you know, she's infected, she's she just takes the plunge, you know? Right. Right. It's not like a drawn-out thing, no. too. She's just kind of like... She's resolute. Yeah. Resolute, yes. Oh, I love Siobhan. I know. And that's such a great character. <laughs> she really is. And it's a beautiful scene, too, where there's, like, this glowing, crazy creature that you never see fully what it looks like, and she's just, like, diving down to it. Oh, man. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's, like, um, so in the design of the character, uh, I know I keep going back to these interviews. Mm-hmm. I hope this is no, interesting fine. and not just me dragging out the episode. But she designed the creature with, like, actual, with marine biologists, and each of the things about it actually are things that occur in nature. It's like, oh, obviously it is an amalgamation of various creatures like jellyfish and, and squids and different creatures. But literally everything about it is something that occurs in nature. And she wanted to make the design visibly seem beautiful because mm-hmm. she wanted to like the beauty of nature. Right. But also she wanted to make sure that it could not be anthropomorphized, which is why it sort of looks like a black hole at the center and there's no face to it. Yeah. Because she wanted to create the sense of alienness. And I think the design. Mission accomplished. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This was fun. I'm so glad we reviewed this one together. Yeah, me too. It, it's a really good one. And yeah, everybody should go see this. It's just a fun movie. It is a fun. It's a smart monster mm-hmm. movie. Yep. Like, I love a dumb monster movie, and this has all the good stuff of a dumb monster movie, but it also is pretty smart and has a really compelling female lead. Yeah. So, and it was directed by a lady and written <laughs> by a lady, just saying. Um, <laughs> for those of you at home who had some thoughts on the movie, or are there something maybe you want us to review, or you just want to get in touch, please reach out. You can reach us at uh, rachel at zombiegirls.com. Uh, Or you can head over to the Zombie Girls Facebook page where we are always hanging about and would love to hear from you. And if you're enjoying the show, leave us a review on iTunes. So, with that said, all we have left is our plans for next week so that people at home can play along since we are going to spoil the end of the movie. (laughs) You may (laughs) want to get a head start. (laughs) But Ariel, this is a you pick. Do you know what you want to watch for the next episode? Yeah, so we're going to be watching The Other Lamb. Oh, yeah. Um, So this one's about a young woman who's born into an all-female cult with a male leader. And then she starts to, like, question the teachings of this leader. Who directed this one? Um, So I apologize in advance because, again, I'm not great with pronouncing other people's names. But (laughs) You were trying to dodge it, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Because I I didn't – usually when it's, like, the director or something, I'll go and find a clip of them saying their own name. That's the trick. Um, but I didn't, I forgot to do that. So okay. here we go. It's fine. We'll figure it out next week. That'll be part of housekeeping. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it's Malgazorda Zumanowska. Oh, sorry, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I really said you. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> so exciting. So many new, exciting women making movies. Yeah. I can't wait to hear all about Mal- Malgazorda. Which, by the way, that name is Malgazorda. That might be. Okay. I'm not sure. I'll right, get back to you. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll find out at one of the many things that you'll learn on the next episode of the More Deadly Podcast. All right. Plan for next week is locked in. The other lamb, we're doing it. That just leaves us saying goodbye. So, Ariel, take us out. So, thank you. You've been listening to another episode of the More Deadly Podcast. I think we're on to number seven now, which is super impressive. We appreciate you guys sticking with us, and we'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you.